Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. This is Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network in conjunction with the Sampson Family Foundation, striving to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. Now here's Ralph and your host, Mac McDonald. Welcome in, Center Court, the Winner's Circle Network. He is Ralph Sampson. I'm Mac McDonald. Great to have you this week and really a uh, a chance for us to sit back and visit and uh, already just a couple of weeks into to January. It'll be February before we know it. And Ralph, today it's eliminating the noise, the sound of sport. And I thought n- there's nobody better to talk to than you about everything that circles around an athlete, a team, a coach, a program that really to be successful, you got to block it out, but there are steps that you have to take. That's our angle today. We're going to come because when you were at Virginia and right away, I mean, because of your recruitment, what was it like handling the media right away as an 18 year old kid going to UVA and transitioning from high school to college? I hadn't gotten used to that at the high school level uh, with the frenzy of announcing that I was going to attend University of Virginia. And uh, I'm sure people out there may remember, or Mac, we remember for sure, I said, I think I'm going to Virginia. And then it became a, a friend of my mom, hit me on the side and said, you know, you're going to Virginia, so we're going to cut this, <laughs> cut this stuff off. Because it was kind of crazy uh, at that point in time. And so it started then, and then, you know, expectations. I think, you know, it begins everybody season, right? Everybody goes into a fresh right. new season and think they're going to do this, think that everybody looks good. Uh, they got some question marks at the coaching staff, et cetera. But now it's midseason for the NBA and college basketball and, you know, all the kind of stuff as well. So everybody's like, uh, well, we should be this, but we this. We're not that good or we that good or we better than expected. And so now everybody's jockeying for position in their division, their league, their conferences, so they can figure out how to you know, make this last run down the stretch. So it's fun, but the media then gets on this, right? Because they right. got to sell a story. They got to tell a story. And everything becomes much more embellished because the stories have to make the front page of the news, right? So it could be the littlest of thing that a guy, you know, didn't do something on social media to, you know, he didn't score a point or a basket. The team may have won, but the, the guy's still playing bad. So it just depends. But I had fun doing the media after I learned Learned, learned about it after my second year. But my first year was pretty cool because I was kind of new. My second year, I kind of got used to it. And I had, obviously, people like you and Doug Elgin and mm. 
and all that kind of stuff around me that helped me out a lot. All right. And plus your that statement, when you said, I think I'm going to Virginia, it got twisted, if I remember right, because a lot of people said Ralph stepped up to the microphone and said, Virginia, I think, which really kind of has a total different meaning. Didn't the media, some of the media twist that at that oh, press absolutely. conference? absolutely. All the Kentucky uh, media were there as well because my last four was Virginia, Kentucky, uh -huh. Virginia Tech, and North Carolina. And, you know, we had alerted those schools uh, prior to the press conference that, you know, we wasn't going to their universities. And Virginia knew, Coach Allen knew kind of before it was announced. Right. So we want to respect them. But when I said I think, the Kentucky media said, you think it's a possible chance that you won't go to Virginia or go to Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> and I, that's when my mom hit me in the side and said, but you, 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 made it, you don't think you know. So, uh, you know, it, 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 wording is very, very crucial, as you know, Mac, in the interview, for sure. That's great. All right. Before we go to break, Joe, I want to clear the, the second part of that up, because you said once I got to Virginia, I started to have fun with it, meaning you started to have fun with the media and what they were about. After my, after my freshman year, because, you know, I would go in and sit and answer questions, yes or no, in my freshman year, right? And then mm. Todd Turner and Doug Young said, you, you got to elaborate more. I said, well, they got to ask me better questions. <laughs> so it was hard to do that at that point in time. Uh, but I would just sit back in a chair and I want to go to the locker room, take a shower and get out of there, whatever, but I had to stay for interviews. And that's what uh, kind of actually taught me and uh, to, to learn more about it. But I took a class at UVA with a, a professor named Carol Jablonski. She was about a six foot one, six foot two oh, teacher. Oh, yes. But I learned how to, you know, speak a little bit better, answer questions. So that led me to my degree in communications. But it helped me out tremendously between my first and second year. Oh, good stuff. Well, this is Eliminating the Noise, the sound of sport. We'll go to break. And when we come back, maybe the biggest story, at least for 2022 to this point, was a walk-on turned national champion. And it's a great story of a guy named Stetson Bennett, and the media is tearing him up. And so we'll talk about that and more. Eliminating the noise, the sound of sport. This is Center Court on the Winter Circle Network. The mission for the Samson Family Foundation is simple. We strive to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. The foundation promotes charitable and community input, educational development, health and fitness, and scholarship opportunities. The Samson Family Foundation's initiatives focus on patients with cancer, educational scholarship programs, and give students guidance in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. The Samson Family Foundation encourages limitless possibilities. Your financial support is tax deductible. To learn more, call 540-615-5097. The website is samsonfamilyfoundation.org uplift empower educate it takes teamwork to make the dream work it's patrick now another flag bennett launching mitchell You're listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player, Ralph Sampson. Once again, here's Ralph and Mac. Welcome back, Center Court on the Winter Circle Network, eliminating the noise, the sound of sport. You just heard that touchdown call when Stetson Bennett hit the 40-yarder and rallied the Georgia Bulldogs to win their first title in 40 years. Just what happened 
with him and his life and how everybody capitalized on it, Ralph. And even the next morning, Good, Mer Good Morning America got him out of bed. You know, he partied all night long. And uh, I've got a couple of sound bites we'll play here in a second. And boy, he answered the questions, but it took him a long time to get to the point. But a guy that goes from walk on to, I don't know, for lack of a better phrase, the walk of fame, the Stetson Bennett story is a wonderful, wonderful story. Yeah, that's a great story, Mike. But, you know, you always think about Georgia and they were maybe in a hunt to win a national title, but they hadn't won one since Herschel Walker. And so it's kind of crazy that it took that many years for them to win one. But this Destin guy is a great story, great story. And, uh, you know, you've got to party after that, right, Mike? you got no choice. You, you, you should party and enjoy it. <laughs> That's right. And so what – so he goes from – and they call him the mailman. He went to – you know, he walked on at Georgia and then left for Jones County Junior College. Most of the uh, fans know this. In 2020, Jamie Newman opts out, and he was the transfer from Wake Forest. So the backup, Dwan Mathis – uh, you know, took over. And then they went with Bennett, who then later became the starter. But then USC transfer JT Daniels became the starter. But in 2021, then Daniels has the oblique injury. Uh, right. Stetson Bennett takes over again. And in his first game, he throws for five touchdowns against UAB. And there you go, 12 and 0. They you know, so all of a sudden Stetson Bennett finds himself under the spotlight as the starter for Georgia. He ends up winning the national title. Good morning, America. Sound from Stetson Bennett. Success means you got to work. You got to work for what you want. Um, you know, you got to bet on yourself, you know, and other people might put in some, you know, change on the odds. But, you know, that 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 never really matters. You got to work hard. Love the people who's around you. They got to love you and uh, bet on yourself. But the championship, according to Stetson Bennett, was not about him. I, I don't really know the kind of people who want to win a national championship just so they don't buy another drink again. You know, I, I mean, that's silly to me. You know, I don't, I don't think I'd be in this position if that's what I was going for. You know, I, I'm, I'm here to play football for the University of Georgia. And then once that's over, um, whatever my interest will be, which is hard when you're playing college football because you don't get internships, you, you don't get all that stuff, you don't get the time off that other students get. But once that, once that is over with, you know, I'm majoring in economics, I'd like to go to law school. But, you know, for the next year, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play football. Yeah, this is one smart kid. I mean, this is one really smart kid. And so heading into the offseason, and right now he says, hey, I'm going to play football at Georgia, but – my options are open. I'm going to play football this next year. We'll see where. Um, we'll, we'll see if I can, you know, trust the uh, decisions that are made by, you know, the staff um, and see where I'm going to play. But right now I'm, I'm enjoying this national championship. The next part, you know, who knows? I really couldn't care less about a free drink, but, you know, <laughs> hopefully it's something meaningful. Yeah, what happened, Ralph, is that they made such a big deal. And, of course, the media said, you won't have to buy a meal or a, a drink ever again when you're in Athens. And you know what? As a, as a joke as it is, Stetson Bennett didn't really find it that funny. <laughs> no, he, I mean, he, he, yeah, he's not going to find it real funny at that stage. But right now, he, think about it, Mac. I mean, there was an opportunity to be successful, right? And mm -hmm. he was obviously prepared and ready, uh, you know, his pretty whole career in life, you know, now in Georgia. but. He stepped up to the plate. He capitalized on it. They won the national title. He had a great night, you know, after the national title game. 
and they should enjoy it because, you know, I mean, spring football is going to come up pretty soon, but you got to enjoy that ride because that story is going to last forever uh, in Georgia football. But this is what I love from the head coach and Kirby Smart, who followed a lot of Nick Saban's ideas, uh, protocols, process. Uh, but Kirby Smart comes up with this quote, and I think, Stick, you're going to enjoy it. The wind blows harder when you're at the top. I've always said pressure is a pl- oh, privilege. Yeah. Our team has finished, I think, five or whatever years in a row. Uh, you know, whether we won or lost that game last night, we're going to be one of only two teams to finish in the top seven of the CFP for five straight years. The other is Ohio State. And that's hard to do year in and year out with consistency. Now our job changes as coaches. we got to do a tremendous job explaining to our kids how the wind blows at the top. I've seen it firsthand. It is not easy. As you climb that mountain, it is windy up there. And there's a lot of kids to replace off that team last night. There were tremendous leaders. So hopefully that will carry over into the younger ones. Ralph, Kirby Smart talking about, you know, when you are top. So when you were listening to it, and we're talking today about eliminating the noise, the sound of sport, and you had to hear it. You win an NIT title as a, as a first year at UVA. But every year, it got, there was increasingly more pressure, right, on Terry, uh, Coach Holland, you, uh, because of, you know, the expectations. And then, of course, Virginia's in the final four your second year. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, you know, I'm sure coming in, I mean, UVA with Coach Holland, Jeff Lampley, Raker, you know, all the guys before me and, and that I played with, you know, they were knocking on the door, you know, each and every year. So they had a good cast of characters. One of the reasons I, I attended, I wanted to go there because I could have some seasoned guys and vets. I mean, to play with Terry Gates, kind of my bodyguard on the court, I mean, was, uh-huh. was good for me because he would beat up everybody, right, and take all the fouls. <laughs> so that was really good. But it, it's fun to, you know, have that, uh, that I'm saying. But then going to the final four in my second year, I mean, it just went from one year to the next. I mean, we probably should have gotten to dance my freshman year, but we didn't. But we went to NIT and we played against Kevin McHale and that crew with Minnesota. But mm-hmm. then going to the final four the next year was pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, that we all band and work together that summer. And we just put the work in and get it done. And then, you know, as uh, that quote was, uh, and I like it, the wind blows hard at the top. When you're at the top, it, it does, because you expect it to, to be there every year. And I'm built where I, I expect myself to be there every year. Even today, I expect myself to be better. I'm not as good mm-hmm. as I need to be sometimes, but I think the good – Character, then you mentioned those two teams, I mean, Alabama, the Georgias, the Clemsons. How do they do it every year? Because they have a system that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really, really good point. But you heard that. Did you did you feel the program was under a lot of pressure then? I mean, day to day. To day. I mean, did you did you hear it? And, and of course, the writers were writing it at that time. But I mean, did you did you feel the the intense pressure every year? You know, Mike, that's a good question. Uh, you know, if I'd have felt pressure, maybe I'd go into the NBA, maybe I wouldn't. But I don't think there was any pressure. I mean, Coach Holland and Coach Odom and Coach Larnega, Coach Page, you know, everybody around there, you know, they took the pressure off of me and let me be a normal college student as much as I could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, so I was excited about that, at least being normal. And I came back every year because I was having fun. I mean, I, mean, I got a good cast of teammates. I was having fun. I was on track to graduate. So I wanted to come back every year because of those factors. I always asked my mom and dad, do we need anything? Are you fine? Financially, and they said, you know, we worked all our life. We'll be fine. 
no matter yeah. what your decision is. So I had no pressure to go to the NBA because I, you know, I was enjoying my uh, college college career, and I'm, I'm so glad I stayed for sure. In talking about Stetson Bennett and handling Stetson Bennett, and not sure really what Bennett is going to do in the spring, but Kirby said if there was anything that Stetson taught him, which you know players can teach coaches a lot, he said is guts. First of all, he had an elite defense around him. Let's be honest, that helped. But I'll never doubt my gut in that he was a winner and a leader and a really special player. You know, he and I had talks, we have to do this, you have to plan. So during the 27 days build up to the Orange Bowl, we had a lot of conversations. There was a lot of doubt because of the naysayers coming off the Alabama game. So, you know, he had a lot of tough questions for me. I had a lot of tough questions for him. We ultimately said we're going to talk about this for five to six days, and then we're moving on, getting ready for the Orange Bowl, and we're going to revisit it when the run's over. And uh, we'll revisit it now. But those questions will be answered by him and his family and, and, and also by us. We'll play a part in that. All right, and Ralph, that brings up another good point, too. Every year, and I'm sure, after your season, you and Terry sat down. And, and of course, those are conversations that are you know private between you and Terry. But my question is, uh, I would guess that Terry left it up to you and your family. In other words, Terry wasn't the kind of guy to say, Ralph, you need to stay. But he would give you all the input, right? I mean, say, hey, you need to get stronger. I'm guessing you should do this and do that before you, uh, you know, decide to go pro. He never, you know, put pressure on you to, you need to stay. No, there was no pressure whatsoever from Coach Allen or any of the coaching staff. But you, you could sense and feel that they wanted you to stay, right? I mean, they, uh-huh. they had expressed that for sure. But it was a, one of those years, it was probably my second year, you know, I, I, we go to national title. We lose to North Carolina. I was in semifinals, and you know, the question of what would I go then? I was, you know, my body was a little bit different. I was built better, stronger, faster, and I was probably ready for the NBA. But uh, the situation, as far as after you analyze everything, the, the the draft picks, the you know, the team that you could go to, it just didn't add up to me. To go to flip a coin, go to Indiana. I didn't want to play there, obviously. Uh, at that point in time, but it was no pressure whatsoever. And the most beautiful thing was me and uh, my good friend that passed away uh, last year, B.J. Johnson and mm-hmm. Doug Newberg, all of us drove to Florida uh, to get away from you know, the campus, right? Because there was a lot of sure. you know, stuff going on. Sure. What I needed to do. So we drove to Fort Lauderdale and drove back. And then we drove from Fort Lauderdale all the way to Philadelphia to see the Lakers and the Philadelphia 76ers at that point in time playing in the NBA championship. So I got away from it, was able to get away from it with my teammates and, and some, uh, some good friends. So that I didn't have to think about whether I'm going or whether I stand. And, you know, Coach John don't let me do that. So it was, you know, get away from it for a little bit, make your decision, and then uh, we'll take it from there. So I had no pressure whatsoever. You got to be role models. You got to behave in a first class manner. Everything you do on and off the court is a reflection of me and my staff, the athletic department, the university. So we've got guys who are working on their master's degree, terrific students. They work hard at everything they do. This is Center Court, presented by the Winner's Circle Network in association with the Sampson Family Foundation. Welcome in Center Court, the Winter Circle Network, Mac McDonald, Ralph Sampson, eliminating the noise, the sound of sport, and just a subject we wanted to cover today and to really, you know, kind of paint the broad strokes of January and what has already happened. 
Ralph, a recent Sports Illustrated article, you know, talking about 2022 is going to be a, a watchful year as far as what's going to happen with the NCAA, all the decisions that have to be made. As a matter of fact, uh, last week they were just in Indianapolis for their annual convention. And, you know, what's going to happen with the Power Fives? And, and you know, are, are schools just going to break off and do their own thing? And, you know, uh, all kinds of, you know, competition and, and just different things, nil and, and, and everything that's going on in college athletics. I don't know where we're headed do you think we're headed towards a bright light? Are we walking a tightrope here? Well, Mike, I think we're walking a tightrope with a bright light in front of us. So hopefully we can look down and see the rope or we don't fall off. Yeah. I mean, with the name, image, and likeness and NCAA and the power of five, it's a lot, lot going on in the college world of sports, but also NBA and professional sports as well. It's going to be crazy. We knew that going into this year when the name, image, and likeness stuff started to happen. Uh, it, you know, it, every state can choose what they want to do. Uh, NCAA is, you know, it's got to either regroup or, or figure out how to make this work because I don't know if the NCAA can exist in the next number of years. It, it'd be sad to see it go. But, you know, at the bottom line, Mac, it's all about dollars and cents. It ain't mm -hmm. about, you know, the athletes and being a student athlete. It's about dollars and cents and the money that these schools make. And, uh, and now that the kids can make money on their own, but I'm just leery of the, the academic side of things. Uh, you go to these great institutions and you so-called get, you know, graduate from them. You got to go to class to get a degree. But as uh, the, the Georgia quarterback mentioned, you know, they don't get internships uh, being, a, being an athlete. You right. don't get to see what you need to do out there after the sport's over. And I think we're going to miss the boat that as a, as a nation, and, and, and a lot of guys are not going to be able to sustain and get a good job because they're not going to be really educated. They're going to start from scratch. And it's going to take a couple of years for any of them to be successful, you know, in, a, in the business world, much less a job. So it's going to be scary to me about these athletes coming in and coming out and um, going, you know, into the just the arena of life after the game. And it's going to be sad to watch some of those stories. Uh, well said. You know, the conversation naturally – that we've had many times on this show, the conversation is driven by the FBS elite, the power five SEC, big 10 pack 12 ACC and big 12. And the commissioners who, you know, because it's the, the, the richest leagues want to keep more revenue, spend more of the money and, and, you know, just, and, and be able to be uh, all rich and all powerful. And now there's talk is creating a fourth subdivision of schools, deregulating legislation that could further widen the gap in D one too. And so really, um, uh, every everything is on the table. One uh, Big 12 commissioner, Bob Bowlesby, was quoted this past week as saying, look, Division One is too large. There, you know, there are more ways in which we are different than there are ways that we are the same. There's an appetite in the Power Five for more control over our fate. That comes from, from Bob Bowlesby. So what happens, we do have to kind of keep an eye on it because we could wake up the next morning and college athletics, as we know, it could be totally changed. It's going to change. It's got to change a little bit. But I mean, the power five, what makes them the power five is financial, TV rights, revenue. Mm -hmm. What makes a, 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 a UVA different than a JMU athletically, right? Yeah. Um, uh, or, or even a, a UVA or, or JMU to a uh, historical HBCU school, Howard or Hampton. What makes it any different uh, other than the academic, the pre prestige of the other school? 
Um, you saw that you know, Deion Sanders, you know, he wins the uh, HBCU championship and does all the things right there. What, what, what makes it any different? Is it the sport? Is it the coach? Is it the school? Is it the academic and the education? What is it? And I think all that's going to come to a head here soon because it really doesn't make a difference that I got a UVA degree or not. Do I get a Harvard or Stanford degree or not? Uh, I think things are going to change a little bit here over the next number of years from an academic standpoint, but also an athletic standpoint. No, that's a good point. Um, one of the things that uh, I wanted to mention here before we get to Jim Laranega, James Downer, who was an athletic director at St. Francis, said, uh, quote, I don't feel like I'm on a plane and it's about to crash, but I do feel like I'm on a plane and I don't know where it's going to land. Right, where it's going. You know? <laughs> so I think that's that's well said. Uh, Ralph Sampson, Mac McDonald today, eliminating the noise, the sound of sport. With that, we transition into our good friend, Jim Laranega. Uh, in watching Miami and the turnaround of what they did to Carolina last week was just, I mean, they destroyed Carolina, led by 27 and a half. They won at Duke. And all of a sudden, they're one of the five and three teams, you know, that's that's right in the middle of the pack uh, of the Atlantic Coast Conference. They're playing playing very, very well. Jim Laranega has been the guy that had always said, I want to coach at an ACC school. He did go, you know, he took George Mason to the Final Four. We know his background. He's 72 years old, Ralph, and still going strong and still coaching his guys like he coached you. Yeah. You know, here's a guy who never, who's never wavered from his philosophy, and he stayed the course. He, he's going to stay the course. He's got that New York style in him. And uh, at 72, he's 72 years young. and He's not 72 years old. And uh, Co Coach L was, you know, he's always fiery. He's already had that New York uh, flavor. And to see him uh, at Miami and being successful, I watched him at George Mason. Obviously, watched him at UVA when I was there beside me. But uh, to see what he's done there is amazing. And then, you know, he, his team's always jail this time of year. If you all historically look at yeah. what he does and to beat Duke and Carolina, you know, that's it, definitely stuck in his crawl from his Virginia days because when you can beat both of them every year and then is <laughs> still coaching and you can beat him in his last year of his career, when he, when he got a stacked house down there too, and then you beat North Carolina, which anytime you beat North Carolina is pretty good, but they're not as good as they usually are, but to beat North Carolina anyway, is still always good because they always beat a lot of people over the years. So congratulations, Coach Laranek. I'm proud. Uh, that you were my coach, but also more than happy that you are where you are today. Maybe, you know, likes of a, a final four run is coming up, man. Uh, and I had the opportunity after the Carolina game to jump on a Zoom call and slip in a question. Of course, Coach Laranega took a little time to answer it, but I think you'll like this. The three words that Coach Laranega is still using today. Coach, I understand there's a lot of the Atlantic Coast Conference season left. You're right now the team that's making the most noise and gaining all that attention. And to think about where you were three years ago when lawyers and the NCAA are knocking on the door and your president's having, uh, having to defend your job. How have you been able to do it? Uh, here's my approach to everything. I have got a very simple philosophy. It's based on three words, attitude, commitment, and class. My attitude has always been positive. Life is 10% is what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. And I shared that with my staff and with my, my players. Look at, you know, everybody goes through adversity in life. How we handle it will determine whether we're able, ever able to overcome it. 
and we're heading in the right direction, both this year and with our recruiting moving forward. The second part of the philosophy is commitment, where you have to be committed physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And the beautiful thing about this team is they really are. Right? They're very committed and to each other. They trust each other, like playing with each other. And I, I give a lot of credit to Charlie Moore and to, to Jordan Miller, because those guys, they didn't, they, they were at other schools. They, they got recruited highly. They could have gone someplace else. It's not that freshmen couldn't, but you know, these are older, experienced guys. You know, sometimes those guys come in and they want to show you what they can do. Instead, Charlie and, and uh, Jordan have just embraced our philosophy. And then the third part of the philosophy is, is about class. We tell our players, you got to be role models. You got to behave in a first class manner. Everything you do on and off the court is a reflection of me and my staff, the athletic department, the university. So we got guys who are working on their master's degree, terrific students. They work hard at everything they do. And I'm just so proud of them. But as you said, we got a lot of work ahead of us. Never short on words. Jim Laranega, you got to have the attitude. You got to have the class. You know, you've got to have that commitment. You've got to be able to, you know, convince the guys. You know, Tony Bennett's doing it. Uh, Mike Young is doing it at Virginia Tech. You try to build that chemistry, Ralph. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you've got to convince the leaders of the team that you've got to lead and you've also got to show the young guys what it takes. Well, Mac, you know, it takes some time to build that. Look at Alabama, Clemson. Tony Bennett has his philosophy there, his system. Sure. Larnega has his as well. But any school that has a coach, I mean, even Koshevsky has his system of sure. And, you know, all the great coaches out there, John Wooden had the principles and rules, right, of commitment, the pyramid of success. So if you can build that and you can teach that, you become a – you don't have to be a great coach on the court. Uh, and sometimes you do, right? You got to draw a play. But if you can recruit kids – I mean, Lefty Dizel was a great recruiter. I don't think he was a great tactician on the court. Uh, but he could recruit because he had his own philosophy, but he had everybody else around him that could get him to the promised land as well. But great coaches as well, Coach, Coach Love Lefty, uh, you know, the death mm -hmm. he recruited me. But listen to Coach Laranega, attitude, commitment, and class. Uh, he, he's built that over the years, and he's always been uh, – his attitude was always really positive. His commitment to the game, I mean, he breathes it, eats it, and sleeps it every day. And then he always, you know, carried himself with class. So I, I appreciate his words. And, uh, you know, he's he just a, a great guy. Just a great yeah. guy. I can go yeah. on and on about and, and that's a team to keep an eye on, too, as we get closer to March. Yeah, it'd be better than that. And nothing against that referee, quite frankly. I think he's a good referee and a really good person. I'm, I was just kind of in disbelief. Like I said, I've never seen nothing like that ever. And to be standing there as a head coach to try to deal with it at the time was kind of like, oh my gosh, did I really just see that? <laughs> the Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation present Center Court with Ralph Sampson. Uplift, empower, educate. Welcome in Center Court, the Winner's Circle Network. A little different twist today, eliminating the noise, the sound of sport. Uh, really enjoying these topics and, you know, trying to kick off the, the year because already some things have happened and uh, going back from, from Stetson Bennett and, you know, the, the Miami Hurricanes and how they're playing well. And now uh, I'm going to put three hats on Ralph, a GM, an owner, <laughs> and a coach. 
and uh, he's already been a player, so he's got to wear the other the other three hats. But the Lakers now a story that it, they're mired in mediocrity. And again, this Ralph and I always felt that this show is never about X's and O's, but about if you are a coach and you've got a $44 million player in Russell Westbrook, and he's not performing, and you decide during the final seven minutes of a game, Ralph, you're going to sit him and saying, look, it's my de- my decision, even though people think that Vogel is going to be fired. All right, you're the coach. What would your message be to the front office? In fact, this is my team. I'm going to coach it the way I want to. Well, I mean, I think the Lakers at this time of the year, I mean, they downhill and I don't know if they can recover but they should have first known going in that you know you get a Russell you get a LeBron you got a Carmelo Anthony you got a Dwight Howard you got you know DeAndre Jordan you got some old old guys playing the game of basketball not that they owed in age they owed in, in basketball years although LeBron is a phenomenal athlete which uh, you'll never see another one like that uh, of his stature, right? He's the first athlete that got 30,000 plus point, 10,000 rebounds and 9,000 assists. Mm-hmm. And then no other player in history of the game has done that. So it's kind of crazy to see that, but it started in training camp. You know, the hype of L- LA, the, 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 the flashiness, whatever, I'm on social media, whatever was cool, but you got to go to work at some point in time. And I heard Magic Johnson say the other day, that, you know, it's embarrassing the Lakers are the way they are, blah, blah, blah. Then I hear this guy, Kwame Brown, that played as well. I mean, Kwame should just be quiet, basically, because, <laughs> I mean, LeBron, LeBron was looking at the stats or looking at some paper on, on, the, on, the, on the bench, and he don't know what you're looking at, but you're going to have to speak about it. But, Mac, we, we talked about the wind blows hard at the top. LeBron's at the top of that ladder, and everything he does, he doesn't win. The wind's blowing really hard, so he's got to take the brunt of it. And he made a statement on social media as well that you know they will play better, which I think they will. But it may take firing a coach uh, when uh, Vogel was out. You know they play a little bit better, uh, but it, you know it's down to Westbrook and LeBron, and you know Anthony Davis really hadn't played at his level that he needs to play. And and when he before he got hurt, everybody was blaming Anthony Davis, right? Mm-hmm. So what do you do with that? So you know that's one of the times you have either a players meeting or coaches meeting with the players and said, what do you guys want to do? How do we win? Because Westbrook is great. I saw him dunk on uh, one of the big centers from Utah the other day and down there. Okay, oh, that's great, but it's only two points. And then how you going to do that down the stretch and that could turn the ball over, et cetera. So, you know, LeBron can't play point. Westbrook can't play point. They need a point guard. They need a big guy. The trade deadline is soon, so you didn't make some trades or you're going to really cast a season in, you know, pretty much now because I don't think they can recover. So as a coach, I, I got to make some tough decisions and I got to make sure, one, I keep my job, which Boga may not be able to do that, but whoever the assistant <laughs> coach is not going to have a shot at it either because he's going to have a couple of games and they will get somebody new uh, in L.A. Because, you know, L.A. Lakers are one of the iconic franchises in the NBA. They have to win. I mean, it's all about money. They have L.A. have to win. Boston has to win. You know, it used to be Houston and Chicago have to win. But if you ain't got L.A. and Boston or the iconic, you know, now it's Golden State. They have to win, have to put a good product on the court because the revenue is so huge off the court that if you don't do that, then, you know, uh, owners, any owners, then I'm going to be mad as an owner because uh, my revenue is going to drop. So right. you, you got to look at it from a business standpoint as well. Yeah, last Wednesday night, so when Vogel benches Westbrook, and Westbrook, of course, didn't talk to the media, but Vogel said, look, I'm, this is, it was my choice. 
uh, management is letting me handle this. This is what Vocal told the media. I don't feel like I'm under siege. Uh, it's not hard to do my job. I, you know, I'm very focused on the task at hand. I've always been that way. It comes with the territory. You know, it comes with being the Lakers coach. We have high expectations. This fan base really cares. It's a big market. You know, I wouldn't want it any way, any other way, to be honest with you. So um, that's the way it is. Well, I am sure that that GM and that coach uh, spoke about, you know, Westbrook, should we trade him? Should we not trade him? You know, it's trade deadline. People do funny things when it's a trade deadline. that we play him? they we reserve? Mm-hmm. We don't want to get him hurt. So, you know, Westbrook may have been on, is on the trading block. You know, see if they can get anything else. So they don't want to get him hurt, number one. Number two, you know, the Lakers are a, a iconic franchise. So Jeannie Buss up there is pulling pulling those pulling those uh strings right so she, right. she's all in it she's pulling the strings she's consulting i guarantee with magic johnson what should we do even though magic's not a part of the team right now but what should we do so it, it goes from top down in the lakers organization if i'm the gm i'm gonna say okay look you, you know you, you got so many games left um you 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 have to win you got to get to the playoff we got to get this seed that seed to get a better position in the playoffs to try to compete for a championship uh, if you don't get there, then, you know, we got to look at other things, options uh, uh, when we don't make that. And that could be as early as all, all-star game break mm-hmm. uh, or, or prior to a firing because everybody regroups. So nothing's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. But when all-star break happens, you see a coach getting fired or GM getting fired or people getting traded, uh, which the trade that deadline is soon. And so I don't expect anything to happen right now, but it's definitely something needs to happen at the Lakers. Westbrook's got to play better. And Davis got to come back strong, which I don't think, you know, after an injury like he's had, and he's had a number of injuries over the last number of years. If I'm a player like a Kyle Kuzma with the Wizards, right, he's sitting there like, ah, y'all traded me. Y'all don't want me, but look at you now. But I, I know the kid, you know, pretty well. And I text him sometimes and say, look, you had one good game all year. You were the Wizards. Y'all not winning, so you need to shut up, period, from that standpoint. Because, you know, that's the Lakers and you on the team. You dress better because you're fashionable in the Lakers and you got social media, but your game is not not that good. It's not Hall of Fame status. My first year in the league, you know, I had some seasoned vets. Elvin Hayes, Caldwell Jones, Major Jones, Allen Level, Calvin Murray. I had some seasoned vets. And we were not playing well. We were not going to the playoffs. I didn't understand the game from a business standpoint. And I made some statements to the media. And the coach, Bill Fitch, made me read, Mac, the article to the team in the locker room. And, and, uh, I can remember Elvin Hayes like, you don't, don't read that. I mean, they, they don't. I said, okay, great. So I started reading. He looked at me and said, put that paper down. So I put it down and said, coach, what do, you, what do you want? What do you need? I made a statement and I believe in that. And then my teammates gathered around me and said, yeah, we with him. Uh, wow. and, and that's what it's got to be about. You know, if you can stick up with your teammates, because you got to go to war Every night on the court with your teammate, the coach came, he can draw a play up, he can call a timeout, but he can't put the ball in the basket. So I'm hoping that LeBron, which I know is strong enough, and Westbrook, there's two strong characters, right? And then AD comes back. They got a nucleus up to get it done. But I, again, I don't know if they have enough shooting and firepower on that third or fourth guy that can help them defensively and offensively to get to, get to the promised land. But if I'm them, I'm having team meetings. You know, I'm working out, I'm, I'm sticking together, and then, you know, we can prove everybody wrong because Matty Jones' statements only motivates me as a player if I'm on that team. All right, good stuff. Eliminating the noise, the sound of sport. It's how you win championships. We'll come back in just a little bit on center court. I'm Mac McDonald. He is Ralph Sampson, and this is the Winner Circle Network. We'll be right back. 
To get into sportscasting, you need experience just to get your foot in the door. I can't tell you how many times in my career somebody will ask me, how do I get into your business? How do I become a sportscaster? The first thing I ask is, what have you done? Do you have any experience? And the answer is normally nothing yet. It's because they couldn't find a program that provided the real world experience that you need to get started. So I set out to create a program designed for the next wave of sportscasting talent. And my partner was an obvious one. Full Sail University, great track record in entertainment and media, great alumni group, and the ability to evolve as the industry changes. We're offering a bachelor's degree that combines the professional expertise that my fellow sportscasters and I have built our careers on with the technologies shaping the world of sports. To succeed in this business, you have to be ready for what's next. But the core of great sportscasting I don't think will ever change. And this program brings it all together. You're listening to Center Court with Hall of Famer Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. Welcome back to Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network. Mac McDonald and Ralph Sampson. Ralph, I want to read a letter that uh, we received. We love to hear from uh, people who are catching the show. Uh, Robert in Stanton wrote us, Dear Ralph and Mac, I enjoy your show and I catch it driving home from church every Sunday. When I attended UVA, I met Ricky Horton. He was a special person and is to be congratulated for his many years with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Thank you, Robert. We appreciate that. Yeah, we had uh, Ricky on last week, and man, it was just a a terrific show. A great guest and uh, loved his uh, demeanor and conversation and just things that he can talk about with the game of baseball in the sense that, you know, St. Louis Cardinals, which is one of my favorite teams in baseball, and this is a little stint there, and this is overall view of what life in the sports world means. I think it's very special. And Stick, before we go, I uh, uh, totally enjoyed the new Massanutten virtual clinic that we had last week. Uh, Dana, Kathy, our Kathy, all the people involved, they do such a, a terrific job. It's really fun to watch your students learn the game and, and put the fundamentals that you teach to good use. So those, uh, yeah, the virtual clinics have been great. Maybe your students have been even greater. Yeah, Mac, those virtual clinics have been fun. We do them now once a month for the next number of months that we get to our clinics in the summer. Great Massanutten Resort. Uh, you go to massanuttonresort.com and just Google uh, the uh, once you get on the search, Google the clinics. It's virtual. Sign up. And uh, we'll talk basketball. Me and Mac host it. We do a great job doing that. And then we show some video of how to play the game and really break it down into different segments where you can understand and take back home and play and practice and get your game to another level. What I love, though, is when you're teaching is to have the kids and they're demonstrating what you are teaching. And you've always got a great bunch of kids who are doing everything that you, well, 90% of what you tell them to do, but they're, it's really a lot of fun to watch their skills develop as far as the clinics are concerned. Yeah. The great thing, Mike, now those kids I've had for, for, for a while, the last year, they've been in some of our virtual, virtual stuff as well, but also training on the court. And now they end up playing in their high school season and some of them are doing it very well. So I yeah. can't complain and hopefully they continue to do that. For Ralph Sampson, I'm Mac McDonald and that's center court on the winner's circle. Network. You've been listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Our podcast is available on the Believe Network at BLEAV.com. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. For more information, log on to SampsonFamilyFoundation.org. Uplift. Empower. Educate. Teamwork makes the dream work.
Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.